terms of how many letters it is, but it's a big word. It's a hinge word, isn't it? When we say the word if, usually it, it has to do with some type of, of, of hinge, like if we do this, then we get this. It deals in the realm of promise, doesn't it? Didn't, didn't you do that? If you're a parent, you do that to your kids, and when you're a kid, your parents did it to you. Like if you eat your vegetables, then you'll get what? You'll get dessert, thank you. What? Come on, did y'all not get dessert? Y'all need to go have some dessert for lunch today. Um, so we say if, and, and, and the Bible is full of these promises. I, I actually mentioned that not too long ago, that the love of God is without condition. I mean, he just loves you, absolutely just smothering loves you. But yet his promises are conditional because the promises of God, if you're not ready to handle them, they'll kind of wreck you a little bit. And so God wants you to be prepared for the blessing that God wants to put in your life. And so you've got to put yourself in a position to be blessed. And so this if word comes into play. Sometimes if brings about regret though, doesn't it? Like it's not always about promise. Sometimes it's about regret. I don't know how many times in, in, in life or in childhood or as a husband or whatever, it's like, well, well, if you'd have done that, that wouldn't have happened. Your dad ever give you that? If you'd have done this, you'd have been better off here. If you would have done that, you could have done that. If, 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 if. And sometimes it brings about this idea of regret. I don't want to talk about that. Sometimes if dwells in possibility though, doesn't it? Like what if? Like what if God did something amazing in your life? What if that healing came? What if there was deliverance or breakthrough? Like what if you got where the dream, you know, you put it all together, what, what if? And we can get, begin to paint a picture in our mind of what life would look like if. And God has some if promises that he wants to give you and God has some if possibilities that he wants to unwrap in your life, but you gotta step into the if. Everybody say if. And there's a whole bunch of them like throughout scripture, like check this out, the Bible says if we confess with our mouth that God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unright, that, that's a good if, that's a good one. The Bible says this, if, if God be for us, then who can be against us? That's a good if. The Bible says, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Jesus said this when he goes, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you could move mountains. There's this one in the Old Testament that says this. It says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, I would hear from heaven and I would heal their land. I don't know about you, but over the next few weeks and leading all the way up to Easter, I want to step into the if and I want to step into the promise of God and I want to step into the possibility of what he might do in our lives. This morning, I want to encourage you with our very first if, but let's pray before we do so. Father, we pray, God, that we would do that, that, God, we would just say, what if? What if we experienced more of what you really wanted for us? What if we stepped into your promises and your blessing? What if we experienced the abundant life, Jesus, that you really wanted for us? God, we want to dwell on that possibility. And so today, I think, sets the tone for like where we want to be, God. We want to be found in this if, God, so that we can experience you, Lord God. That is our prayer today in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians 15. If you're taking medicine, it's 1059. I promise I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you through this. So you ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We start with this very first if. In verse number 14, we'll get to it in just a second because I gotta give you the setup for it. He says this, for Christ's love compels us. That's a great, that's a strong, bold opening step. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him, the one who died for them and was raised again. 
So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Another translation says, we don't ever look at people according to the flesh anymore. Though we once regarded Christ that way, we don't do, we don't do that no more. And he opens up with this huge statement says, I just want you to know that Christ's love compels us. And here's what I want you to know, that, that Jesus dying on the cross, the ultimate example and showing of God's love changed everything. And it opened up possibility. And the possibility we'll see in just a second just changes everything about who you are and where you're going in life. So because of what God has done for us, he starts out by saying this, I don't want you to ever look at people the same way that you used to. Because something has changed. When God comes into your heart, when you accept him by faith and God begins to work in your life and God's on the move in your life, I don't want you to look at people any differently because they're, they're not the same anymore. Don't, don't look at them the way that you used to. C.S. Lewis has a, a beautiful quote, and I want to share it with you. C.S. Lewis, who's one of the brilliant writers of his day and era and many generations, in my opinion, he wrote this. He said, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person that you talk to may one day be a creature which if you saw them now, you'd be strongly tempted to worship. What he was saying is this, it's like, you, you got to recognize that when you get to heaven, and if you were to see them, what they look like in heaven, you would be tempted to fall down and worship them because you have no idea what, what, how great and how amazing and what God has in plan for them and what God's going to do, what they'll look like. And if you have no idea, so like, it's a serious thing. Don't take it for light or for granted. And don't take it lightly when you look at other people. Know that there's something amazing about them. Let's keep going. He says, it is in light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the all and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all of our friendships, loves, our play, our politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Look at the person next to you and just say, you're amazing. You're pretty awesome. Well, it's easy to, to, it's easy to overlook that, isn't it? Because when, when we wake up and our hair is jacked up, or we have morning breath, you don't look at your spouse that way. You don't look at them like, you're amazing. And you got that coworker who's annoying and obnoxious and always sends out the chain emails that you hate. I hate those things. You know, when then that boss is this and that, and that neighbor who does that, you know, you got all these people. And, and sometimes it's easy to start looking at people and just being, being mad or grumpy or judging them and all that stuff. He said, be careful. Because when God gets a hold of them, that, that something radical and amazing happens. And if you saw them in their future, if you saw them in their heavenly creation, that you, you would be tempted to worship them. Just know that you, you don't treat people the way that you used to because God is at work in them. And when God is at work in them, something amazing changes. And here's what changes. In verse number 17, after he says, we don't look at people the way we used to, he goes, this is why. Therefore, because if anyone is in Christ, everybody say if. This is the hinge right here. If any one of you, or me, when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. I want to give you a little bit of encouragement. That this is the if that I want you to dwell in. That rather, even more importantly, this is the if that God wants you to dwell in. God wants you to dwell in this idea that your life is no longer just random and sporadic, that your position in life is not based on your salary or your ethnicity or the, the home that you live in or the family that you come from, but your true identity and position in life is in Christ. 
And if you'll dwell on that possibility, everything changes. Because when you become in Christ, your past is gone. Whatever you did or didn't do is gone. Whatever you said or shouldn't have said or wish you could take back or wish you could read back. I mean, we do this sometimes. We think if I could only go back in time, if I could only go back and change that, if I could only go back, it's done. In God's eyes, it's done. The, the past is gone. All things have become new. But where? In Christ. And we don't really know what that means, most of us. It's like, well, what does that mean to be in Christ? It means this. It means that your position in life dwells in him. See, you and I make a mistake constantly. For those of us who have put faith in Jesus and have been, become in Christ, we make a crucial, crucial mistake. And you know what it is? It's to begin to form our identity, then to make our life decisions or to think certain ways and to believe certain things based on a wrong identity. Like the way that we picture ourselves. Let, let me give you an example. Most of us have gone through life always feeling like our identity was, was wrapped up in what we do. This is why when you meet someone for the very first time, typically you ask them what their name is, and then the next question that you ask is, well, what is it you do? Oh, what do you do? Where do you work? What do you do? And we start thinking that we are what we do, as if that were the foundation of our identity. And sometimes we do this too with our ethnicity. We think, well, I'm, I'm white, or I'm black, or I'm Mexican, or I'm Chinese, or I'm this or that and the other. And we think, well, that, that must be a part of my identity. And I'm just telling you it's not. As a believer in Jesus, your best bet is to make sure that your strongest identity and the foundation of your life is where? In Christ. Because the problem with you believing that you are what you do, it has all kinds of bad things. Is what happens when there's layoffs? What happens when you lose your job? What happens when you're too old to work? Then what are you? I don't know. No, you're in Christ. And I want you to live from that point, breathe from that point, make decisions from that point, and treat other people from that point. That I am in Christ, and the fact that he is in my life, and that God has radically changed who I am from the inside out, that, does, that, that changes everything. See, I don't know about you, but like when I was a kid, did you ever go through phases when you were a kid? Like I went through, a, a, like, okay, I'm a white kid, so bear with me. You, you had different ones. So like I had like my skater phase. Don't laugh at me. Yeah. All you white kids out there went through like probably a skate. You know what I mean? I tried to like, go skater. And then I got hurt really, really bad. And I lost lots of patches of skin on my body. So I'm not a skater. I had to change what I thought I was. And then I went through, I remember like a teenager. And I went through like this like hardcore rocker kind of gothic like, yeah. I didn't last real long. And then, and then it got worse because that, that, that got me into like a certain realm of like where, where all I did was smoke weed all the time. And, and I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm a pothead, you know. I just, this is what I do. And I just smoke weed all the time. I smoke weed every day. Yeah, I'm stupid. And I, I don't go to class. And I get high before tests. And I'm an idiot. And, and, and that's, my, that's who I am. And then I met Jesus, and it, and it all changed because then I didn't have to be anything else or, or try to fit a mold or try to have an identity based on any of those external things. I was in Christ, and my primary thing was I'm with Jesus, and Jesus is in me. And that's just, just who I am. And so out of that now, because see, the problem with being connected to all those other things is you're, de you're, you're, you're destined to have an identity crisis because the only thing in this life that never changes is Jesus. He said, I'm the same yesterday, today, forever. He's the same. 
And when you begin to live life from that vantage point, you bypass so many mistakes and so many issues and so many problems. See, what we do is, is we even take this into spiritual levels to where we begin to say, oh, well, well, I sinned. And we think about all the bad things we did and all the things that we didn't do and all the ways that we don't measure up. So, you know, what? I just, I'm a sinner. So I sin. And that leads me to more sin because I'm a sinner. And that becomes the vantage point of how I see life and how I make decisions because I'm a sinner. Well, I'm a failure. I failed, didn't I? I mean, I failed. I messed that up. I messed up that marriage. I lost that job. I failed at that school thing. I, did. I, I failed, so I must be a failure, which leads to more what? Failing. It's a cycle, isn't it? And we get rooted in us that I am my past. No, you're not. The Bible says once you are in Christ, the old's gone. All things have become new. You, I, listen, this is the way I'd, look, I'd like to look at it. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And I don't have to go back there, and I don't have to live from that vantage point anymore. I, I'm in Christ. And you know what that means? Let me tell you what that means to really be in Christ. I want you to put all these on the screen for me. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this. It says, it says I am God's child. Like, that's who I am in Christ. So if you ever wanted to know who you are, you're God's child. Like, you just need to know that. And from, from that vantage point, you need to feel differently about yourself. You need to think differently about other people. You need to change the way that you make decisions. Because some of us do that. Some of us will say, well, well you know, the, the I'm a sinner thing, or I'm a failure thing, or I'm a liar thing. Like, I'm a liar. I lie. That's just what I do. No, you're not. You're a child of God, so stop lying. Like, you shouldn't be... Not, not because you're, no, because you're a, a child of God. It's just changed now. Second one is this. I, I, I could go for a long time. I just picked some random ones. I, I'm a friend of God. The Bible says that I have the peace of God and I have peace with God. And he considers me his, his friend. And the closer that I draw him, the stronger my friendship becomes. Therefore, I don't go out and do crazy, stupid things. Not because, I, because I'm a child of God, because I'm God's friend. So therefore, I don't live those ways. I've been bought with a price. I belong to God. Like you're not yours anymore. You're so valuable to God that he was willing to sacrifice his only son so that you could be reconnected to him. You have a lot of value. You have an incredible amount of value. You know, I used to collect baseball cards as a kid. And did anybody grow up with baseball cards? I'm the only one. This illustration is going to really fall flat. Collect anything. You ever collect... Yeah, there you go. You collect something. And I used to get out my Beckett. Remember the Becketts? Little baseball card guys who tell you how much your card was worth. And I had all the, I had all the King Griffey Jr. rookie cards and all the, you know, I had a whole bunch of cards. And I would tell my dad, be like, oh, look, this month Beckett came out and my card went up a quarter. Boom. Making money. Like, this is a, this is a sharp investment strategy, Dad. You might want to get in on this. And, and, and my dad would always say the same thing to me. He would say, and my, my dad was a really smart man. And he would always say, son, that's not what it's worth. I'm like, yes, it is. Beckett said it was. And he goes, no, 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 no. You need to understand something. It's only worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. Doesn't matter what a book says it is. It's only worth what someone is willing to pay for it. And then I became a Christian. And I don't know why, but that thought came back to me and it blew my mind. That I'm only is worth what somebody is willing to pay for me. If God is willing to sacrifice his only son for me, I'm good. I am amazing. I am valuable. I am because God has put incredible value on me, not because I in and of myself am valuable, because I'm his. And when we step into Christ, we are bought and redeemed and we belong to him. Another one, I am assured that all things, this is Romans, I am assured that all things work together for my good. Yeah, I'm in Christ. 
That means even when it goes south, it goes north in God. Even when it goes bad, God can find the silver lining. He can redeem it. He can find good in it. He will, he will work that thing out to bring good out in it. Romans 8.35, I cannot be separated from the love of God. Like, I can't. Like, it's not impossible. I can't. Why? Because I'm in Christ. My position has changed. I am not who I used to be. See, here's where we, and this is the sin factor. This is why sin is deadly and dangerous and why God doesn't want you to do it. See, back in the Garden of Eden, when God created man, he created this guy named Adam, and he gave Adam incredible, like, dominion over all the earth. And he gave him, like, this unbelievable acceptance. And he had this innocence. Remember, he was naked and not ashamed. And then sin came in the picture, and what changed? He realized he was naked was the first thing. Like, he didn't feel innocent anymore. He almost felt, like, ashamed. And so he traded in innocence because of sin. You, you lose your innocence, don't you? That's what, you know what we value in these little ones that are up here? Incredible innocence. And we, we long for that. We wish we had that. You get that back in Christ. See, Adam lost his innocence. Adam lost his dominion. Adam lost that acceptance with God, and that's why God's been working everything since then to get back with you, because you get all that back in Christ. You get it back. You are not who you used to be. God is at work in you as long as you will be in Christ. Everybody shout, if. God is absolutely wanting to do something great in you. Let's keep reading this story because it gets better. So the Bible says in verse 18 that all this... Everything we just talked about, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God, ooh, this is, this is good, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. That's a good place to amen. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. He's saying, guess what? Because Jesus died and it just changed everything and it wrecked everything and your position, as soon as you put faith in him, your position changes in life. You have incredible purpose. You have incredible value. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that message to everyone around you. I want you to, what God's saying is, I want you to work for me now. So you're mine. You're bought. You're, you're, you're in Christ. You're a new creation now. The past is gone. The new is here. I want you to work for me because everybody else needs to experience that too. Everybody else needs to know that their sins can be forgiven. Everybody in life needs to know that they can be right with God. Everybody in life needs to know that they can live in God's abundance. Everybody needs to know that God wants to dwell inside of them and do great things in them and do great. Everybody needs to know that. But see, you can't do that when you keep living in the old mentality that says, well, I'm a sinner and I sin." that makes me a sinner that keeps on sinning or I'm a failure that keeps on failing or I'm a liar that keeps on lying or I'm I, I'm just angry that's just who I am no it's not that's what you do but what you do is not who you are is it what I want you to do is change the paradigm and I want who you are to determine what you do in life I want you to say you know what I'm a child of God I, we don't act like that instead of saying well I do these things that's just who I am no it's not it's not who you are you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. When you are found in Christ, everything changes. And here's why that's so important. It's because until you change that paradigm, until you start living from Christ, you can't do that for other people. Because see, here's, here's what I've discovered. It's like healed people heal other people. But like broken people, they break other people. You ever wonder why we live with other people and their brokenness rubs off on us and in their brokenness they hurt us or they damage us or they wound us or they abuse us? or they do? Why? Because they're living out of their brokenness. I want you to be healed because healed people heal people. You know, you know what forgiven people do? Forgiven people forgive other people. Because they're so grateful that God forgave them that they're not going to hold it against you. 
forgiven people forgive other people. But you know what happens? Other people that, that harbor the bitterness, they spew their bitterness on other people. Guilted people, people that aren't forgiven, they live underneath a cloud of guilt. You know what they do? They make you feel guilty too. That's not who you are. And that's not who I am. You are free in Christ. And I want you to give that to everybody else around you. I want you to be able to bless other people. I want you to forgive other people. I want you to be able to heal other people. I want you to be able to, to give to other people what God is trying to do in you. This is why he said, he said that this is the ministry of reconciliation. This is the big idea that God was reconciling the entire world to himself, not counting people's sins against him. You can be forgiven if you are in Christ. Let's keep reading. As though God was making his appeal through us, so we implore you on Christ's behalf, what? Be this whole idea, so I'm telling you all this stuff so that you can have one big idea. Go be reconciled with God. Go be found in Christ. Because God made Jesus who knew no sin. He made Jesus to become sin so that you and I might be what? So you thought you were a sinner. You thought you were a worm. You thought you were unworthy. You thought you were no good. You thought I had to get, this is what people do. Like I, You ask them to come to church. Like, you know, I need to work on some things before I come back to church. That's the dumbest idea in the world. Work on things. That's like telling your doctor, hey, I'm going to fix this before I come get surgery, okay? I'm just give me some time. That'll make no sense. He made Jesus to become the sin. The very thing that took away the dominion, that took away the acceptance, that took away the innocence, he said, I made Jesus all that so that you could be made righteous. So that when I look at you, I don't look at all your junk and your mess and your sin. I just see the holiness and the righteousness of Jesus because you are where? In you get it all back. And that's where you need to walk. You need to walk in the acceptance so that you can love other people. You need to walk in the innocence so that you can treat other people in a totally different way, so that you can treat yourself in a right way. Can I tell you what? Let yourself off the hook. Some of you, God has forgiven you and you haven't forgiven yourself. Why? Why don't you be in Christ? And when you are old things, all the old stuff, that's gone. All the new stuff, oh, that's brand new. And you are now made the righteousness of God in Christ there was this one woman, um, there was a church barbecue, and this is, um, this is back east, this is years ago, I won't tell you the details, but there was, it was the governor of Massachusetts at the time, and um, he was out on a fundraising campaign, and he had gone to this church fundraiser, and how many know churches are notorious for like food? Um, we like to eat, that's what believers do, we, we love God and we eat food, so there was this like, you know, this barbecue thing and he had gotten in line and, and, and he went and he got through, you know, each person was serving a different, like the bean person, the potato person, he had the chicken person. And when he got down the line, he, he, did, he didn't have breakfast is what he said. So he said, they gave me one piece of chicken. And I said, ma'am, can I get one more piece of chicken? He goes, nope. I've been told that only one piece of chicken per person. Sorry, sir, I can't do that. And he goes, hey, look, I don't know if you know who I am or not, but like, I'm the governor. Could you please give me a piece of chicken? And she said, I don't know who, if you know who I am. I'm the chicken girl, and I've been put in charge of the chicken, and that's who I am. How many of you know, like, when you just kind of know who you are, you have a confidence, you got some swagger. Like, do you know who I am? You need to have that on your life. You need to have it. Next time you're faced with temptation, next time you're faced with the opportunity to react in the wrong way, the next time you're, you're tempted to be something that you don't want to be, you need to go back, do you know who I am? I'm a child of God. I've been bought with a price. I'm incredibly valuable. You apparently don't know who I am. 
I don't have to live that way, act that way, respond that way, do that thing, go that place. I don't have to do that. Not because, it's not that I, I am what I do, it's that I am what God said I am, and because of that, that's how I live my life. Because I'm found in Christ. And if any man, this is, this is where you dwell in the realm of possibility. This is where I want you to be. I want you to dwell in the if. I want you to live in the realm of possibility. What if I live my life from the position of in Christ? Then I could be healed. I could be forgiven. I could be free. Because free people live an abundant life. Let's pray this morning. Father, we pray, God, that we would, um, we would dwell in the possibility. What if? What if we didn't live life based on what we did? What if we didn't live life based on our past? What if we didn't live life based on what mom had done and dad had done and everybody had done to me? And well, Todd, you don't know. What if, what if that was all wiped away and God said that can be done away with? Because if any man be in Christ, old things have passed away. and Behold, all things have become new. What if because if we were in Christ, we could then help the world know God of your goodness? That when we step into you, we become the righteousness of God. That's pretty amazing. Father, let us dwell in that possibility. Let us go out of here and live life not based on what we do, but God, live life based on who we are and who you said we are, God. That's how we want to live life. God, help us to go out of these doors and do so. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a good gospel. Amen. 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 Yeah, give the Lord a big hand clap.